Today on the show, we're going to talk final roster, my projection, a little bit of what I think the team will do, and a little bit of what I think I want the team to do. And I'm going to bring in someone to react to it live. Adam Emmert, you know him from the Seahawkers pod over there with Clinton and Brandon. He's going to be giving me his thoughts on the final roster, what he would do differently, what he likes, doesn't like about it. Roster projection time coming up next on Seahawks Forever. Welcome to the Seahawks Forever podcast. In-depth analysis on everything Seahawks. And now, here's your host, Dan Viennes. Joining me on the show today, Adam Emmer. You know him from the Seahawkers pod with uh, Brandon and Clinton and those guys over there. We have uh, we chatted a little bit, met at the mock game, and it was time to get you on the show, man. How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. I appreciate you having me on. Appreciate you having Brandon and Clinton on earlier this year. Uh, that's awesome. It's really fun to collab with you. And uh, I can tell you, man, from our perspective, what you do, very impressive. Uh, you know, wish you nothing but the best. And uh, yeah, like I said, uh, just look up to what you're doing, man. So appreciate you having us on. Ah, shucks. Thanks. Same right back at you. Uh, love what you guys do. Obviously, Brandon and I have some history with uh, with field goals. And uh, and so it's it's really, really cool. You guys are just a natural to have on the show, especially when we got stuff to talk about like this. Right. We're going to talk 53 man roster today. My final projection. Um, I like to do this before the last preseason game, because if you try, if you try to do it Sunday, you can get caught sometimes, right? Roster cuts have to be made by new, uh, one o'clock Pacific time, I think, on Tuesday, right? right? Just so everyone knows the timeline. And then uh, anyone passing through waivers can be resigned to the practice squad on Wednesday. Vested veterans become free agents immediately if they're released. And then there's a whole bunch of, you know, kind of matriculations with the roster that happen is in regards to vested veterans and guys being guaranteed their salaries. We'll talk about that a little bit especially as it relates to one particular spot on the roster. Um, but uh, before we get started, as always, hit that like button, subscribe to the YouTube channel, best way to support the show. Um, really appreciate all of the uh, new subscribers. Thank you and welcome. Uh, let's get right into this. I did not share this with you because I kind of wanted I wanted your spontaneous reaction to what I did. Um, obviously, some position groups are more set in stone than others. And some are really up in the air and we'll probably end up focusing on those. But let's just, for those of you watching on the YouTube channel, let's just put it up here. Um, and I, I know right now your eyes are probably going to a couple of specific spots, but but let's just kind of go through the ones that are easy first. How's that sound? That sounds great, man. All right. Quarterback is set, right? There's been some talk about do the Seahawks Carry Holton Ehlers on the 53, so he's eligible for that new emergency quarterback rule. The Seahawks have never carried three quarterbacks. Do you expect there's any chance they'll do that this time? There might have been a chance if we hadn't gotten so injured at wide receiver, D-line, some of those <laughs> other spots. Uh, in, in that case, we're just going to need all the warm bodies we can get in those areas. So I don't see them. I don't want to say wasting because that takes away from Ehlers a little bit. Yeah. Uh, a roster spot on a guy who's maybe a borderline NFL QB at best. Yeah. And there's really no, I mean, you know, Gino has been durable in his career. Drew Locke hasn't had any injury issues the way Drew has played this preseason. I don't think there's any question that, that they're just going to roll with two. I also don't think there's any question that Ehlers is going to get through waivers to the practice squad. And this is something I want to, I want to touch on right away. As we talk about this stuff, a lot of fans get really nervous about the waiver process. They, they get attached to certain players. They they find a guy that they like and they get it in their heads that there's no way he's going to be claimed because he's done so well in the preseason, right? It's the Kalen Williams phenomenon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I had that discussion recently with someone in regards to one of the, the undrafted free agent wide receivers. Keep in mind, this year is different than ever because we go from 90 straight to 53. So that waiver wire is going to be crowded. Also, it's not necessarily an unspoken rule. Teams will claim a guy they think can help them. But for the most part, teams leave things alone during this wave. You have to be really, really outstanding um, in a bunch of different ways um, to get claimed off the waiver wire. But um, just keep that in mind. Holt Nailers, we're not in jeopardy of losing him to another organization, right? So we got Geno Smith, Drew Locke. And by the way, also, I based the numbers for each of these position groups on exactly how the Seahawks structured their roster last year on the initial 53. So two quarterbacks, 
Then we move on to running back. Four running backs, what they kept last year. In the past, they've kept five, but last year, four. It looks like all four of these guys are going to be good to go. Kenny McIntosh hasn't got back to full speed practicing, but Pete seems to think he might, that he could be the one outlier if he's not ready to go week one. Coming back from that knee sprain, then we could be talking about Sir Roderick Thompson. But Ken Walker fully in pads yesterday for the first time. Don't think we'll see him Saturday. Um, but running back, we should be good to go there, right? Any surprises? No, no surprises there. I like everything you got. Um, I do like that your kind of next guy up is uh, Sir Roderick Thompson. I love the way he runs the ball, man. Just that slashing yeah. style. Had a couple nice plays here through the preseason. And whether or not he makes this roster, I, I really think that he should hook up with some team somewhere. I'm rooting for the kid. Um, I would like to have him, you know, in our back pocket on the practice squad, though, yeah. just with our histories with uh, running back injuries. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, the team had to release Bryant Kobach this week. He was injured and they just needed the roster spot. Um, I've always liked the idea of having a running back or two, a young guy on the practice squad because injuries are a thing, right? Um, but it always doesn't. It doesn't always work out that way. I really liked Josh. Was it Josh Johnson a couple of years ago? Yeah. Uh, undrafted yeah. kid. Thought he looked good in the preseason. He kind of fit all those Seahawk height, weight, athletic specs and just never really found any footing. The thing about Thompson that I like, I mentioned it on the show last week, is, is you know, we lost Alex Collins a couple of weeks ago. Tragic accident. Former Seahawks running back at the age of 28. This kid reminds me a lot of him in his running style, just kind of the way he looks, the aesthetics of it. Um, uh, he looks like, he looks like a, an NFL running back, but it also kind of speaks to the running back market. Doesn't it? That a guy like this was still on the street two weeks ago, wasn't in camp with anyone. And then he steps in and looks as capable as he has. No, he, uh, it does speak to the market because gosh, it's just so undervalued now. And this is something that actually sticks in my craw a little bit. Because I'm a big fan of running the football and playing great defense. And Same. That's the way that I view football through. That's the lens that I view football through. And I'm not a fantasy guy. I don't like, you know, throwing it for 10,000 yards every year. I, I think these running backs are just worth way more than the market says right now. Yeah. And it's probably going to come full circle. But guys like, you know, Sir Roderick and, you know, everybody on this roster – um, I hope they get paid eventually because the wear and tear they put on their body is just, I mean, it's a ton. You think about it. It's the most, one of the most physical positions in football and it is so critically important yet somehow just completely undervalued. It's perplexing to me. Yeah. We're going to skip over wide receiver, which I have listed next because we're going to need more discussion on that tight ends. Sure. Will Disley, no offense, Colby Parkinson, all healthy. Uh, the one guy and, and my next man up, I didn't adjust the the fifth spot there that it, I had Noah Gindorf there for my first projection. It's probably Griffin Bear next after Tyler Mabry. Um, but Mabry's a guy, the team trusts. He's had another good preseason. Uh, when we get back to the wider wide receiver discussion, um, wouldn't shock me if they kept a fourth tight end in lieu of adding a receiver, um, if they thought that would bring more value. But but those three guys are those three guys. Really no surprises there. Um, we move to the offensive line, seven spots total at tackle. I don't think there's any really, any curveballs to be thrown here either. Charles Cross, Abe Lucas, Stone Forsyth, Jake Curran, who can also play guard. And then your interior uh, guards, Damian Lewis, Phil Haynes, Anthony Bradford, the rookie draft pick, and then the centers, Evan Brown, Olu, Olu, Um Team likes Joey Hunt, but you know what? Joey Hunt will always get through waivers, and they can stash him on the practice squad as well. Um, nothing really to write home about there, right? No no surprises to be had. No surprises, and honestly, that's a great thing for this year. I am really Absolutely. excited to have just a core set of guys on the offensive line, short of maybe Forsyth here in the preseason. He's He hasn't looked great in you know, has had his struggles, but as far as a backup piece, I'm fine with that. Yeah. And the starting offensive line here in week two looked pretty darn good all the way around and playing with a lot of nice chemistry, you know, especially between uh, the guards in their relationship with the centers and the tackles and working together. I really liked what I saw out of them, especially in the run game here in preseason week two. Forsyth is an interesting case. You're not the first one to, to say that they're concerned about him being the, the primary backup at left tackle. And, and it's, it's a shame that, that he's being talked about that way because when he was drafted in 2020 as, as one of only three picks we had that year, he was, 
he was um, the scouting report on him coming out of Florida was I saw multiple reports that said as a pass protector, he can start in the NFL right now, but needs work in the run game. But he's kind of struggled as a pass protector too. So we'll find out how the team feels about him. If they if they go out and try to upgrade that position, we'll we'll know right right away. We know they like Jake Kern because of his versatility. Don't know if he could play left tackle, if maybe in a pinch. Um, Greg Island, I thought, has shown some things this year. I've got him listed as a tackle here. The team played him mostly at guard, but um yeah, and maybe Forsyth is the only guy that they would look to upgrade there, but I still don't see that either. They have they have some other things to tend to. <laughs> no doubt about it. Uh, let's talk about one of those now. So obviously the wide receiver group, they had 10 healthy receivers on the field yesterday at practice. So we, we have gotten some good news about some of the guys that have been hurt, but obviously the big news this week, the broken wrist for Jackson Smith and Jigba. Still haven't heard, at least I haven't seen specific confirmed details when the when the when the story broke, uh, Adam Schefter said they won't know until they get in there and do the surgery exactly how much damage there is and how long he'll be out. The surgery was supposed to happen Tuesday, and then Pete Carroll yesterday indicated it hadn't even happened yet, and so we still don't know. He's saying optimistically three to four. There's doctors all over Twitter saying it's more like six to eight. He's probably a pup list candidate. Uh, your reaction to the JSN news this week? Oh, this has to be one of the more disappointing pieces of news out of the preseason. Uh, just all, all preseason. And the JSN pick to me right out of the gate was a little bit polarizing just because, you know, they go defense early with Devin Witherspoon, but not an interior player. And right. then you're like, well, okay, then we're going to go ahead and spend some big draft capital early on interior defensive line here with the, with the next pick here at uh, what was it? 25 or 20, wherever it was that they ended up picking. Yeah. And then they picked JSN and it's like, yeah, I get it. We can use another receiver, but man, like we have one glaring hole on this roster and we're not addressing it. And then they picked Derek Hall. And at this point, my hair's on fire. And then they pick <laughs> Charbonnet, which I was kind of fine with because you can never have enough good backs, yeah. but yet we didn't really address that hole early and we picked JSN. So I'm upset about it. Start talking to a lot of people. I'm not a college football watcher. Uh, now there's Brandon. That's not our specialty. And so once we started getting with some guys that really have looked into him, you look at JSN and you're like, man, this guy could really be a huge difference maker, especially on third down. We're really in need of that jitterbug slot guy, that Edelman Welker type player. And JSN could absolutely be that right out of the box. And losing him right out of the gate, in possibly for a couple of weeks here in the regular season, yeah. it's a big blow and a, and a massive disappointment. So it does open up some opportunities though, for some of these other guys that are maybe on the bubble. And so I'm excited for them. If you want yeah. to look at it on the positive side of things. So the way it works, I was going over this again this morning. And if any, if I get any of this wrong, hop in the comments, let me know, uh, correct me. But, but if, if the, the team can't, if they think he's going to be out long-term, they can't put him on the injured list now or he'd be out for the season. But once the 53-man roster is set at that deadline, they could then put him on the injured reserve list for a minimum of four games. Um, pup list has been mentioned, but that's kind of a, I, I don't really see the difference because that's a minimum of four games as well. I think the only difference would be you could put him on the pup list today, if I understand that right. So it's semantics, right? If they find out he's going to be out four to six weeks, won't be back till after the bye week, then of course they'll use the injury reserve list so they get that roster spot back. But he'll most likely, unless we get something more definitive between now and Tuesday, which we might, will make the 53. But I've got him grayed out here and I don't count him against the 53 because I do think even if they do that, and I guess they have to, name him to the 53, then put him on injured reserve. Then one of these receivers that we're going to talk about today that we think might make the team will likely be waived on Tuesday, technically, and then brought back. Does that make sense? Yep. Yep, so, absolutely. so obviously DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Jake Bobo. It's crazy as, as good a camp and off season as JSN has had since the day he stepped on, on the football field. Jake Bobo has been right there with him. And it, it kind of started out as like a murmur, like from the first OTAs, like, wow, this kid, Pete's talking about him. He's name dropping him. Chip Kelly goes on local radio and raves about him. And then he just kept making plays. And then we get to the preseason 
And now it just compounds. Yesterday, he was a star of practice, according to all the beat reporters who were there, making tough catches left and right, blocking guys, showing off his route running skills. Not only has this guy made the team as a fringe undrafted free agent wide receiver, but even before JSN gets hurt, this guy this guy was going to get playing time and have a role on the offense. Is that how you feel? Oh, 100%. Uh, once I had heard the Chip Kelly interview way back here in the earlier part of the preseason or, you know, the training camp, I was like, all right, well, let's take a look at this guy. And you started hearing, just like you said, the murmurs and the more Bobo stuff from the players. Right. <laughs> and then when we saw you at the mock game, I mean, we joked on our pod that that was the Jake Bobo show. Yeah. And then now he's stacking performances. He's stacking them in practice. He stacked it at the mock game. Preseason week one looks good. Preseason week two, making plays. And uh, it's just astounding to watch a guy who ran a four nine get behind guys with regularity. I, yeah. I don't understand how he does it. It's yeah. magic. I think he's half magic. But uh, you hear the guys in their interviews as well, the rest of his teammates talking about Bobo. And they'll ask him, well, is he the real deal? And every single one of them, yeah, man, he's the real deal. Yeah. He's out there making plays. Um, and you're not wrong with the way that you have this listed out. He's our legit number three right yeah. now with JSN injured. And I'm not sure that that makes me all that uncomfortable. He has a great chemistry with both quarterbacks. Even if JSN hadn't gotten hurt, this guy would have been your fourth receiver, would have been in the rotation, you know, would have had those Marquise Goodwin snaps, you know. Um, he had played his way into a role. And and you're right. I, the thing that I like about a young player, any young player, is is consistency and 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 producing on a promise, right? You show flashes. We see that from kids all the time. And then it, you just don't back it up on a regular basis. But everything Chip Kelly said in that interview that you referenced about standing out in practice, his practice habits, how hard he goes, what an example he sets. He's Everything he's done since that day lines up with that. And, and Tyler Lockett was, did a sideline interview during the game against the Cowboys. And he, he just name dropped Bobo in the same phrase in the same breath as he was talking about JSN as if he was a member of the team already. And he is. So that gets us through three. This is where it gets interesting, right? And it, it's not any easier that all of these guys have been banged up to some extent during camp. So next man up, even though he's 27, 28 years of old of age now, Cody Thompson, right? Would have made the team last year out of training camp. And then he got hurt, spent the entire season on the injured list. Um, he's been banged up a little bit this preseason, but when he's in there, he looks productive. The team trusts him. Cade Johnson is the other one. I've got him in green here. And primarily because at the end of last season, the team trusted him enough to give him important snaps in week 17 and in the playoff game. Had a couple catches. Um, he had the really severe concussion. He's been cleared from protocol. He's back at practice. That's why I've got him in green. D. Eskridge obviously suspended for six games. He's not available. And I've got Derek Young out. I was so disappointed by his performance against Cowboys. A couple of drops on really nicely thrown balls from Holton Aylers. They were contested drops, but you got to catch those. I just haven't seen anything from him this preseason to lead me to believe he can make this team. Did I get anything wrong here? Anything you disagree with? Well, a lot of people, the team is comfortable with Cody Thompson. And I watch Cody Thompson and I see a dude. Like he's sure. one of those guys that you can plug in there and he's going to run his routes. And he's, he's Scotty great. Miller to me, right? Like yeah, that, there you that go. type, That's like a, a replacement comp. level, right? Great comp. Uh, so you got Cody Thompson and Kay Johnson, and both of those guys are one and the same to me in terms of a guy that knows the offense. He's been around a little bit, a guy that you can trust, and a, clearly a guy that the team can trust. So I would say pick one of the two of those, and then you're looking for lightning in a bottle maybe. I know where you're going. That I'm last fourth one. <laughs> now, let's talk about Derek real quick here. Yeah. Uh, with his game in week two was disappointing with the drops. Absolutely. But if we do think about the idea that he has the abductor thing mm -hmm. going on in his ribs or his midsection, think about reaching out. Those were contested catches that were above his head or out in front of him a good ways. And he had to really reach out to get those. Mm. It's tough to really extend yourself when you got a guy draped all over you, when your ribs and abductor and midsection is all tore up and may need surgery. Sure. So I'm not sure Derek Young just forgot how to catch in preseason week two. I wonder if the injury had more to do with that than we think. Now, then you start looking at the other guys in 
Aesop Winston had a nice game in week one. Matt really Landers did. made the play on the Ehlers arm punt and scored the yeah. touchdown. And Landers is such an athletic freak. I just, the oh reason I was tempted to go Landers, Pete really raved about him and was so excited to get him back last week. Cause he had a little, he had a little abductor thing too, didn't he? Something like uh, that. It's going around. <laughs> yeah. Soft um, tissue stuff, man. Yeah. He's, he's just not as versatile as some of, some of these other guys, you know, that we're going to need guys to cover those, those slot snaps. Um, Obviously, I love Winston. I'm a Coug. I think he's a, a master of the contested catch. Really good route runner. Um, he was banged up, didn't play against the Cowboys. Um, Tyson Lindsay might be might be the wild card here, right? Yes, yes. Because of special teams. Yeah. Like, I think he could be a spark plug in the return game. And that's something we've been missing for a good long time. Yeah. Short of Igwe, Igwe Buke. I can never say mm-hmm. his name right. I uh, think you're close. Year. Yeah, Godwin. Yeah. Uh, but... Yeah, Landers, man, he is super intriguing. And you do hear Pete and the other players name drop him a lot like Tyler did with Bobo, kind of unprompted. So, yeah, I would be, instead of Cody Thompson, I think I would be more apt to see either Landers or Lindsay in there. And I think you're right. Derek Young could could end up, you know, as a cut and waved and that sort of thing, or maybe someday stash on the practice squad or however all those machinations work. But I don't think they're done done with him. Do you think there's any chance they look outside the organization for another receiver? Always compete. You bet. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> but you have to see, you know, who falls through the cracks and there's always a good player here and there. So yeah. we'll see how that goes. I mentioned on the show the other day, you know, you always, you always want to keep your eye on former Seahawks, just especially at the receiver position. It's so hard to sign a guy off the street, get him into a game plan and, and into an offensive system and expect him to, produce right away um there aren't many out there that would make sense somebody threw the name um shoot now i'm gonna forget it off the top of my head oh somebody threw freddie swain back at me um oh more swain please i I think he's been available so many times over the last two years if the team was interested in bringing him back they would have i i think there's a real chance he's hurt right now he's in concussion protocol but if penny hart were to not make the atlanta falcons 53 man roster he might he might make a lot of sense because you could slide him right in you betcha. Then uh, a guy that they were always high on mm-hmm. and really respect his toughness and the way that he goes about his yeah. business. So yeah, that's a, that's an interesting one to keep on your radar for sure. Yeah. Let's talk about defense. Um, again, we're going to breeze over the interior defensive line because like receiver, that's where the most questions are um, yes. regarded or regarding injury, certainly in, in performance, perhaps in some cases. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Outside linebacker may be the most stacked position on the roster. And I will give something away here. So I, so we've got the five, right? Uchenna Nuosu, Daryl Taylor. We really don't know about Daryl Taylor. I didn't, I didn't mark him as injured here, but he is. He might not be back by week one. He might end up on the injured list, which would create a roster spot and an opportunity for somebody else. So we, we really still don't know about Taylor. But if he's healthy, obviously, he's one of the five. Boye Mafe, Derek Hall. Tyreek Smith, I think, has made this roster with his performance this preseason. I don't list Levi Bell as an outside linebacker here for the purposes of getting to our positional breakdown because of some of the shortcomings of the interior defensive line position. In my defense, the Seahawks list Bell on their official team roster as an edge, not an outside linebacker, or a defensive end. He's the only player on their roster that they give the edge designation to. So I think... Hmm. For purposes of a roster spot, I'm counting him there, and we'll come back to that. Um, is this, given the injuries to the wide receiver group, is this the most talented position group on the roster? Boy, that's an interesting question, because then you have to compare that to safety. And corner. Yeah, I, I okay. Yeah, I'll go with you on outside linebacker here, because Nuosu is definitely, gosh, he's, one of those underrated guys that plays in Southeast Alaska that nobody cares about. Right. Right. Like, he gets no pub uh, for the type of player he is, 
in Mafe, I mean, what more can we say about him than yeah. what's already been said? His jump this year has been remarkable and exciting. He is easily one of the most exciting players for me going into this new season. And Derek Hall has showed that he's that dog. Like he is that yeah. tough guy that you need out there. And he's going to bring an attitude to this defense that I think has been, well, it was sorely missing last year at times. So yeah. I really, really enjoyed the rook there, even though the pick irked me a little bit because he doesn't play tackle, <laughs> defensive right. tackle. But uh, it, again, John's smarter than me and it shows up here. Uh, Tyreek Smith coming into the league as uh, he was injured, I think. And that's mm -hmm. why he dropped in the draft, really showing that pedigree from Ohio state and yeah, really an amazing player, but that leaves us with Daryl Taylor in. I think he's a very polarizing guy because to yeah. me, you see the flashes here and there in, you know, he's definitely the most flashy of the edge rushers. And then you see him get washed out on the edge and on almost every outside zone play. Mm -hmm. And you see the injury stack up again and again, at some point he's going to run out of opportunities in. Is it now? Uh, probably unlikely. But it's got to come together for him real quick. Like, I'll, whatever's I'll, bugging him, it, he needs to get over it now. Yeah, I'll say this. And it's disappointing that, you know, that he came up with the shoulder thing. Because Pete was raving about how he came to camp and what his body looked like and how he was ready to make that next step. And in the second half of last season, certainly looked like he was ready. I, I take issue with people that, and I see it all the time. I see it from beat reporters even, that when he comes back from injury, he's the starter alongside Nwosu and Mafe is the third guy. I see it the other way around. You know, I, I I don't know where that comes from. Mafe's a more complete player. You mentioned his ability to set the edge and get after the quarterback. Taylor is more of a pass rush specialist, a one-trick pony. So why isn't he thought of as the rotational guy? And I think that might be the way it plays out. But we, we need to know more about his shoulder and how healthy he is and if he's going to be ready to go week one. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more about your assessment of where he falls in the pecking order here. He he really does struggle setting the edge against the run, and Mafe really does look that much better. Yeah, Nuosu Mafe uh, out there, uh, outside linebacker as your starters, 100%. Yeah. Uh, inside linebacker, we got a lot of clarity on that this week. So Bobby Wagner, obviously, returning to Seattle. He's, he's uh, a starter. And Devin Bush has had a really good preseason. Um, we know he's not going to get a lot of snaps. They're going to play a lot of nickel. He'll come off the field, but he's his willingness and ability to, to hunt guys and hit guys. Um, you feel comfortable with him, uh, starting alongside Wagner. If, if we're going to talk about Jordan Brooks here in a second, but if he's not ready to play full time, surprisingly, yes, yeah. I've got some Steelers fans in my life and they told me all about what a bust Devin Bush. Oh, is. they told all of us. Yeah. Yeah. And how well, he can't get off a block for the life of him. And this, right. that, and the other thing, a lot of and good then, riddance from Steeler fans. Oh, big time. Mm -hmm. And then you watch him in this preseason and you're not wrong. He's yeah. made some really nice plays and I am much more comfortable with him at this point of the year than I thought I would be. And I'm very excited about that. He seems like a good kid and it's exciting to see him get his second chance and have somebody like Pete Carroll connect yeah. with him and get the best out of him. And I think it high, to take him in the, in the top 10, which is unusual for an inside linebacker. And he had the, the amazing rookie season that made it look like he was going to deliver on all that the amazing rookie season that made it look like he was going to deliver on all that promise. And then he got hurt and he was never the same, but you remove yourself from those expectations. You come here where you're playing next to a legend and you're playing in basically a part-time role, uh, in the defense. And, all that, it takes all that weight off your shoulders. I think it just gives you a different perspective. And, you know, what I would ask people that still have concerns or questions about Devin Bush is, how do you feel about Devin Bush versus Cody Barton if he had been brought back again? Because he was a real polarizing guy there last year too. So um, I think they're good there. What we don't know is how Jordan Brooks is going to work back into this mix. He's going full speed in pads. And the thing that blows me away isn't just that he was removed from the pup list and he's back nine months after ACL surgery. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. He's not the only one. It, it speaks to the advancements in that technology and the rehab and everything else. I mean, Brees Hall, um, uh, Javante Williams. I mean, two other guys that got hurt late last year, yes. ACLs running backs that are back playing full speed. But I saw a video of him yesterday in practice. He wasn't even wearing a brace. Yeah. It's wild. It's crazy. It's absolutely me. wild. 
I mean, we can all blame Adrian Peterson for this, right? He was the first guy to just all of a sudden magically return from an ACL in a hurry and then be better than ever. And it is such a credit to the advancements in medicine, but also give Jordan Brooks a lot of credit. Absolutely. You have to grind through rehab. And, you know, if you've never personally been injured in a way where you've had to go through that process of physical therapy and all that, the mental grind of that is a lot harder than a lot of people think. And I heard them talking to, well, who was it? I think it was, it wasn't Brock and Salk. It was uh, some of the other 710 guys speaking with Jordan Brooks about, you know, the mental side of it. And he had mentioned that he thought he'd be fine. He'd breeze through that, but it was even harder than he thought. Mm. And, you know, it was a new experience for him. So give him a lot of credit for pushing through that and being a guy that looks like he could almost be ready to go week one, which I I would have said, no, no way. I would have put my money on Jamal before Jordan Brooks. And that's crazy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And reading some things this week, you know, it sounds like in, in some of the nickel packages that they'll play that, you know, Bobby Wagner is basically going to play that role that he played for the Rams last year. He's going to be in on early downs, playing the run, rushing the passer a little bit more maybe than we've seen him in the past, but that the Rams utilize him in that role and that Bush and Brooks will be guys that are a little bit more adept dropping into coverage. Um, but just, and, and, by the way, I acknowledge my typo here. I know his name isn't Jordy Brooks. It's Jordan. Forgot the end there. Sorry about that. Um, after that, John Radigan, who I don't, I, I think has shown this preseason. There's nothing special about John Radigan. I know the team likes him. You know, he's he's definitely a practice squad candidate. Ben Burkirvin, love the comeback. The team loves him. I would expect him to be on the practice squad as well um, because he does look fully healthy again. And then Vi Jones, really haven't heard an update on his injury, but it sounded like it was not insignificant. Um, Otherwise, he might be in this mix. He was having a really great preseason. But Jordan Brooks coming back basically solidifies his position, and and those are the guys. Yeah, I think one guy that we need to talk about here in relation to John Radigan is Patrick O'Connell. Thank you for bringing him up. Absolutely. Maybe I'm a little biased because he's from the hometown of Brandon and myself yeah. from our, in Kalispell, Montana. Right. And so we're always rooting for a Cali kid, but he has played pretty well on defense and has made some plays what Pete's even talked about a little bit and raised, yes. some, raised some eyebrows. Now, I think Radigan's a little bit better is, as a special teamer in terms of punt and kick coverage. Yeah. And you know maybe O'Connell can you know, do a little bit more there, but I think he's – a little bit more of a natural linebacker than say Radigan. So I'd say don't, don't take him out of the mix there. I think he could be a surprise guy, not so much to take like Brooks off Yeah, with Brooks being healthy as soon as he has been, that probably makes it hard for O'Connell, but I could see him as a practice squad guy. Well, I appreciate you bringing him up. Uh, Certainly um, something I overlooked here as I was putting this together, I took my my spreadsheet from my initial projection and plugged guys in, and he wasn't on it. But he's a guy that I, in my defense, talked about him on the show extensively um, after that Cowboys game uh, as a guy who, who played early, basically basically started that game, got a lot of snaps, um, led, I think he was second on the team in tackles with seven. Um, you know, he's undersized, but he looks instinctive. He just looks like he makes his reads. Uh, he takes on blockers well for a guy his size. Um, really like what I see from him. So thank you for bringing him up. I, I certainly think he's a guy the team would like to have on the practice squad. Uh, let's talk about the secondary because when we talk about most talented groups, you mentioned safety. Certainly we have to talk about corners what, as long as everyone is healthy, um, which they're not, right? Um, but here are the six I've got. And there might be some discussion around the six. And I do have Kobe Bryant still listed as a corner. The team kept 11 last year between corner and safety. So the numbers work here. Tariq Wollin, Mike Jackson, Trey Brown, Devin Witherspoon, Kobe Bryant, and Artie Burns. Um, I've got him making the team in part because Witherspoon's health is still up in the air. We don't know if he'll be back for week one. Thought he might start to do some limited practice this week. Carol said we might see him by Wednesday. We did not. Um, But also because Burns was getting first team reps and rotating in on the first team this week. So I think the team still thinks highly of him. He can play both sides. He's a veteran. Those are my six. I don't really see anyone pushing for a spot there, but they might consider taking from that position to fill other roster needs, uh, depending on Witherspoon's health. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And the Witherspoon injury is a little concerning because the last press conference that I heard Pete talk about it, they asked about, 
you know, his health and when he might be back. And Pete started doing the slippery Pete stuff where he's like, Oh yeah, yeah, I don't know that sort of thing. And it does make you a little nervous. So I do like the, the list that you have here because as much as, again, this is another Steelers whipping boy a little bit with Artie Burns. (laughs) Uh, I I saw him at the mock game, make three or four really nice plays. Now he got burned on one or two as well, but a guy that would be very good as a depth piece. Now it's interesting that you have Kobe listed over as at corner, because I was looking at the Seahawks.com depth chart today and they had him listed as a safety. Yeah. And so in again, the way the numbers work out here, you can have them at, you know, column a column B. It doesn't really much matter. Yeah. Um, but I do like him so much more at safety than I did at nickel. Uh, last year, everybody's saying that he had such a great year and he, he was good at forcing some fumbles and doing the peanut punch thing, but I just don't think he has the quicks to play yeah. in the slot. And it drove me crazy last year. And I wasn't nearly as high on him as others. I think safety is a natural fit for him. And I'm really excited to see more from him there. If need be with, you know, Adams working his way back, or if there is unfortunately an interest uh, injury to digs or love. Um, Trey Brown has had a really nice preseason. Yeah. I, I don't think, I mean, he's had some, some plays where you know, a missed tackle here or there and things of that nature, but overall, I mean, he's been great and it's awesome to see him come back and work through those injuries. Mike Jackson had a rough week too. He did. I mean, Pete, Pete said, Oh, it's that one that was underthrown and you know, it just is unfortunate. And he's right. Like sometimes you get got that way, but then sometimes you get gotten just burned like he did by, yeah whoever that second string receiver was for the Cowboys. Um, and we've yet to see reek go full speed here. So right. yeah, a lot of talent and then some injury concerns, but I like your list and maybe they add an extra corner if they don't feel like Witherspoon or, you know, Woolen's going to be ready to go week one. And as I, Isaiah Dunn would be an excellent pick for that as well. Yeah. Uh, I, I agree with you. I like what I've seen from Brian at safety. He looks a natural there, especially in that first, uh, the Vikings game came up and hit a guy. That was something we haven't really seen from him. And you certainly want to see from a guy who's playing on the back end. Um, Trey Brown, my, you know, Mike Jackson's been the star of OTAs and early preseason and Pete just can't stop raving about him. I think at one point called him the best player of OTAs. Borderline dominant. Yeah. yeah. That's what he said. Yeah. I'm not so sure Trey Brown hasn't beat him out for that left cornerback spot. Yeah. Pete's had a crush on Trey Brown for a good long time now yeah. as well. So, uh, but much respect to Mike Jackson, you know, a guy that has worked his way through the league to get here to sure. have his opportunity. And, you know, he's bulldogging it, man. He is not going to give it up for nothing. Yeah. So that amount of competition in that, that room. Uh, that speaks nothing but uh, good things for the Seahawks going forward this season. And then still a lot of question marks at safety. The five I've got in green here, Quandre Diggs, Jamal Adams, Julian Love, Jarek Reed second, and Joey Blunt. Blunt, we're still not 100% sure about health. Um, Adams was uh, reportedly close to being brought off the pup list so he could go through walkthroughs this week. That hasn't happened yet but it's looking more and more like he'll be ready early in the season. If not for week one, if not, um, I should have put Jonathan, Jonathan Sutherland in gray here at least because he, there's a really good chance he ends up making the 53 man roster in part because of all the things we, we just touched on Jamal Adams, not being hundred percent yet. Devin Witherspoon, not being back yet. Uh, Kobe, the team wanting to play Kobe Bryant more at safety because Sutherland's one of those guys that can play safety and slot and has really had a nice preseason he really has and when i look at your list here i think this is where maybe one of the bigger surprises of roster cut down day will be i would not be stunned if they end up cutting Jarek reed and keeping sutherland i haven't seen anything out of reed in this preseason or have heard much from the players or the coaches about him really being a standout and I understand he was a drafted player, but mm-hmm. it was only a six-round player, yeah. a guy that you could probably still sneak through to practice squad if they are really in love with the guy. And with his motor and everything, I could see it. Uh, so that's one of those that I look at that there's always that one surprise. In always. Sutherland has performed, and Jarek Reed hasn't really flashed. So if you're really into the all compete mo- or always compete mantra mm. as Pete is, you got to prove it now and then. Yeah. And that could be a spot that they do it. 
Yeah, I don't disagree. And, and I've, um, you know, a lot of people talk about how Reed struggled in coverage against Cowboys. I did see him come up and hit some guys and, and, um, but there is an inconsistency there. He's probably a guy that shook out of his boots when Deuce Vaughn went by him. for Yeah. Well, Deuce Vaughn's done that to a few people this preseason. Well, yeah. (laughs) And he's not done yet. (laughs) Uh, I do think Reed's a guy that would safely get through waivers and Sutherland's another guy. You make a good point because in the same way that the players have been talking about Jake Bobo for months now, as almost like he's been granted a roster spot already, players talk about Sutherland that way too. Other players are bringing him him up and how he looks in practice. Um, so you could be right, especially I, I I'll say this: if Adams isn't ready to go week one, Sutherland Sutherland makes this roster in yeah, one in one way or another. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, specialist Jason Myers, Michael Dixon, Chris Stoll, who I don't think gets enough uh, love this preseason. Seahawks only signed one long snapper this offseason, undrafted free agent out of Penn State. I think he won the award last year for best long snapper in college football. He's been perfect on all of his snaps and even got down and made a tackle on punt coverage last week. Really impressive for a long snapper. The last spot I have here, I will say this. This is not necessarily what I think they will do. This is more of a... uh, I get I get one free pass where I get to pick what I would do. I think Nick Ballore's value of taking up a roster spot on this roster now at his age and with everything else and with the young depth on this team, I don't I don't like the value. I don't I don't want him making this roster. He doesn't play fullback that. anymore. He didn't play any linebacker snaps this preseason. I know he was injured. Uh, so he's specifically a special teams specialist and you're going to pay him 2.6 million dollars this year in his early 30s i don't like that yeah it's tough when you start looking at the money part of it right yeah because he was one of he led the team i believe in special team snaps last year Mm -hmm. so a guy i mean that's an important thing was he special teams captain also yes yes that he's that's a third of the game and he is listed right now on the depth chart according to Seahawks.com is the only fullback. Yeah. Not that we use one very often. Exactly. But so this is one where my head and my heart are in total conflict. I do. And the team loves him. I I realize that. Um, There's also another possibility here. I think he's a perfect candidate to be one of those guys that gets cut initially and then brought back. So he's not a vested veteran and his salary is not guaranteed. That'd be the way to do it. Um, No other team's going to claim Nick Valor. Yeah. Yeah. He's a national treasure and uh, sure you may save 3 million bucks overall by getting rid of him, but you're also going to lose uh, 3 million awesome jokes yeah. told throughout the season. Right. So, but uh, you know, locker room guys matter, special teams matter. Uh, but I see where your head's at and it does make a lot of sense on the financial side. Because I have another guy that can play fullback. Yep. So now we're going to talk about the last position group because this is the one that's the most up in the air. And I think we're going to see some changes, some additions before uh, the Rams game. So total of eight interior defensive linemen is what they kept last year between the defensive tackle and defensive end. However you want to break this down, nose tackle, defensive tackle, three tech, five tech. Um, I've got, you know, at DT or nose tackle, Jaron Reed, Miles Adams, Cam Young, who's injured and Jacob Sykes. Um, I think Sykes has shown enough in the last couple of weeks that if they're going to keep an undrafted free agent and a young guy, just because of numbers, because they have to, um, I think he's done enough to show uh, there's some athletic ability there. There's some strength at the point of attack. Um, and uh, and they've played him early in games, which I think um, speaks to how much they like him. Matt Gotell kind of flashed for me. The local kid, 340 pounder, really the, the only Brian Monet type nose tackle built guy on the roster. Um, he's on the periphery. So I've got him in gray and then at defensive end or however you want to call it, Draymond Jones, Mario Edwards, Jr. Mike Morris, the fifth round pick and Levi Bell. So I'm going to start with the rookies. Yeah. We haven't seen Cam Young and we really don't know how serious that calf injury is or how long he's going to be out. And that's frustrating. 
He was a guy that they had really, by taking that risk that you mentioned of not going interior defensive line early in this draft, and I know it wasn't a strength of this draft, they pass on Jalen Carter, they pass on some other guys that were there. Mm-hmm. Kills me that Keanu Benton is just killing it in the preseason. Looks like a starting nose tackle for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He was a guy that I liked. But we haven't even seen him. And we don't know if he's going to be ready week one. And then Mike Morris, this was a killer. This was really disappointing news this week to find out that he'd had a procedure on his shoulder related to an old injury that was never mentioned before. Because I think we saw against the Vikings that Morris was a guy that was going to contribute early um, and really give us kind of some size up there that we don't have. And so when you're talking healthy players now, you're talking Jaron Reed, Miles Adams. I'm going to leave Jacob Sykes out of this discussion for a moment. Draymond Jones, Mario, Mario Edwards. That's it as far as veterans go. Mm-hmm. Levi Bell has made this roster, hasn't he? Uh, maybe. You're not ready? Maybe. <laughs> I, I, I'm not not ready. It, yeah, you could sell me on it. He's He's been good. He's he's had some flashes. And like you said, the versatility. Highest rated player on uh, on the Seahawks last year, according to P, uh, against Cowboys, according to PFF. Had a had a, almost a 90 Overall score, pass and run grade, highest score on the Wow. Team. Okay. Yeah, okay. I have a little bit of a love-hate relationship with PFF. At we times. all do. <laughs> but uh, that's interesting. Now, so we talk. let's talk about the rookies here again real quick. Uh, the Cam Young thing, gosh, we just all feel like we're in the dark on that. And then yeah. even when he was out on the field, you got a lot of, yeah, he's learning. Yeah, he's he, he looks looks like he can be there as an anchor guy and not, not a lot else. Um, the Mike Morris one, you're not wrong. That one hurts my feelings. Like yeah. I, I was so excited about him and his possibility this year as being a major contributor, not saying that that's gone, but yeah. early on, I would think he might be a candidate to try to, uh, you know, keep on the 53 and then get him to uh, short term IR and maybe ha- give him a couple of weeks to, to heal up. But I guess we'll see how long it takes for him to come back from the procedure on yeah. his so- shoulder, whatever that means. Um, Sykes, I did I did like a little bit of what I saw out of Sykes. That was fun. Uh, and then, you know, one guy you don't have on here that I liked a little bit was uh, Perry, the Robert kid that they Perry, brought yeah. in from yeah. uh, the, the Browns. He's had a couple little flashes here and there and is a big body type guy that I think could – be a guy that could fill in until Cam Young makes it back or just yeah. be a depth piece there. Um, yeah, they've, they've, the guys- they've cut Perry a couple times, brought him back. He has played on early downs. I think he's, um, I, I went Sykes over Perry here because I feel, sure. I see a little bit of Sykes, uh, a little bit of pass rush up upside from him more so than I do with, with, uh, with Perry. What were you going to say? Oh, just, and then if we're looking at the veterans, I mean, you know, Jared Reed, he's going to, he better be healthy and play a lot of snaps. We're, yeah. We're going to need it. And him. he didn't practice yesterday. I don't know why. I don't think it's anything serious, but that, that made the hair stand up on the back of my head. Yep. <laughs> Hopefully it's a veteran rest day. Uh, Miles Adams has uh, looked like he's taken another little step mm. in his game. I really like his versatility, even though he is a little undersized. Then that kind of leaves us with Draymond who, you know, he's going to be Draymond Jones in yeah. a, you know, a guy that they paid obviously a lot of money to, to be a difference maker. But that brings me to Mario Edwards in, you know, they talk about him with some affection, mm-hmm. um, a journeyman player. We were talking to a couple of the guys with the bootleg football podcast. And um, we were sitting there in training camp and Mario Edwards ran by. I was like, Oh, Mario Edwards. I forgot that they had brought him in to <laughs> you know be on the team. And they just kind of laughed and they said, yeah, that's every fan for every other team that he's played as well. Um, Kind of a guy who has just been there for a lot of teams. So uh, we'll see if he sticks around, but maybe we need that sort of veteran depth piece that's, you know, uh, kind of a league average sort of player. Yeah, because that's where you get really nervous. If you take Morris and Young out of this equation, um, now you're talking about, Four guys with two in Bell and Sykes being undrafted free agents. You're going to be counting on them to play some snaps. And Edwards is a replacement level. I think they brought Edwards in for that reason. Steady, solid. That's all we need him to be because we like the upside of all these other guys. Well, now those other guys aren't in the equation. And and now you're so shallow. If Jaron Reed were to get hurt or Draymond Jones 
for goodness sakes. I, do you think there's any way we get to, to the Rams game and they don't add to this group from the outside? I think that's a 0% chance. <laughs> there's going to be one or two dudes who are at the very least, you know, NFL replacement player level type players that they're going to go out and get. It happens every year. It's one of those position groups that somehow is undervalued, much like running backs when you got to have those stout guys up front. That's a heart and soul of a defense. And that's why it made me so angry in the draft, the way that they approached it. And then they appease somebody like myself by picking Cam Young and Mike Morris. And now here we are. Yeah. Um, Both guys being injured. Uh, It, my spidey sense is going off here a little bit. Like I'm a little worried. It's hard not to be, you know, you can scheme around it, you know, um, but only to a certain extent, not when you get up against good teams with good offensive lines, good running attacks, good offensive coordinators. And, and um, you know, teams are going to try to pick on that. And, you know, Bobby Wagner can only clean up so much. I love the fan reaction. So many fans, whenever I talk about how concerned I am about this are like, Bobby's back. We're fine. He'll, he'll just take care of all that. I, I mean, Bobby, that's a Bobby's l- amazing. <laughs> that's Hall a little favor, optimistic. All time. Great. Uh, one man can only do so much and yeah. he has to have the guys in front of him to keep him clean so he can flow to the ball and do Bobby Wagner things. And it's, it's so important. And it's where I diverge from a lot of football fans in kind of the, uh, you know, skill position, obsessions when it's the guys in the trenches that really do make or break a football team. Yeah. And you look at the good teams, you know, the teams that we're chasing in the NFC, you look at the Eagles and 49ers and, and you can make an argument that their second units are as talented maybe as, as, as our first or or parts of our first, that they're, they're so much, the 49ers, some people think have the best defensive line in the NFC and they went out and added Javon Hargrave to that. Like they're stacking depth there and we're, as thin as it could be. I agree with you. I think I tweeted out yesterday, they were always going to be on the hunt to add a player on uh, when this next wave of free agency happens after the big cuts. I think they're adding multiple players now. The big question is this. What about a big swing? What about a trade to add more impact there? It could be in play. I guess I haven't looked at the cap numbers recently in all of that to see, you know, exactly who might be available and who's unhappy at the moment. Um, a lot of talk, a lot of people, the first name that people bring up is Grover Stewart. Okay. Uh, defensive tackle from the Colts um, that, you know, he's in the last year of his deal and, and uh, they've got some other guys they are going to have to pay. I don't know. He's, I think his cap hits about 10 million this year. They'd have to work with that obviously, um, you know, but anything could be done. I, I just, I don't, I don't know. It. I don't know that there's an obvious it. one out there. I, you know, this isn't like the Jadevian Clowney year where there's an obvious deal to be made. I think most likely they're just going to, I think they feel good about the guys that they have if they're all present and accounted for. Yes. And what they do around cut down day will tell us how they feel about Young and Morris and, and their ability to get back. I think they're going to add players there and I think they will be serviceable, usable players. They'll probably be guys that not a lot of people recognize. I scoured all of the depth charts on our lads yesterday, looking for guys listed on second and third teams and, and couldn't find anyone that really popped and made sense and stood out. Um, uh, Maybe a guy like Danny Shelton, maybe, maybe a guy like that doesn't, doesn't make the chiefs final roster and can just be plugged in as a guy to help against the run, but it'll most likely be someone that fans aren't familiar with. Well, one thing to think about in terms of whether or not they would make a big swing at this time is we often as fans get really obsessed with this year. And what we're looking at here is since the rust trade is about a three year plan mm-hmm. to get back to the Super Bowl. That's been in my estimation with the way uh, that Pete's contract is structured and in that sort of thing. So now am I looking at this roster this year as a Seahawks fan, who's always eternally optimistic and thinking, yeah, we're like a, legit Super Bowl contender. I think we're a fringe Super Bowl contender. I don't think that we're one player away at defensive tackle on the defensive interior from being a really legit Super Bowl contender. It's close. Yeah. It's close. But 
I don't think you would give up the future of next year's draft with the role that John Schneider is on, you know, rolling the dice on that you're one player away when it just doesn't quite feel that way. I think that they're really looking to build young, keep guys under team control for a long time on rookie deals. And so I think really they were trying to get through this year with the best they could on the defensive interior. And they're going to be looking next year to really, we're going to draft eight defensive linemen next year. Let's hope so. (laughs) (laughs) Cause it really, I I joke, but it's when you look at these positions like this, just in black and white, it's, it stands out as the only position where they aren't stacked and layered with young dynamic talent. It, it's really yeah. the only one you're plugging holes with guys like Mario Edwards and bringing Jaron Reed back. And, and you, you, you went out in free agency, signed one superstar there. The rest of them are all undrafted free agents, even miles Adams. Like that, that speaks to, you know, they're going to talk. We're going to hear about this is a whole nother discussion that we'll have over the next 10 months, 11 months, but they're going to talk a lot next year as they always do about best player available. And we're just going to take the highest guy on our board. I think all the defensive tackles are going to be the highest players on their board next year. Yeah, they're in the draft. They are valued a certain kind of way because they are that important. And, you know, you mentioned all the young talent that they have stacked at every other position. It is very young. And so we're, we're relying on guys that are either in their second year or their first year with that young talent. And that's what makes me say, I don't think that they're just one player away this year. Whereas I think with the combined experience of all those guys going into next year, now you're one player away yeah. from really competing. No, that doesn't mean that I don't think that they're going to make the playoffs and make a run. I think they're going to make some hay. And I think they have a legit chance to win the division even with some of the uncertainty around the 49ers and you know their injury woes each yeah. and every year. So we'll see how it goes. But that position group, probably the most worrisome. I do feel better about their ability to add help there uh, for a couple of reasons. One is... Um, the new cutdown rule in years past, there would have been one or well, I think last year they had reduced it to just one, but there would have been one or two other cutdown dates that teams would have had to get under other guys would have been available. They would have been able to import, you know, street free agents that were released by other teams before now. Now everyone's waiting for the same day. And then they get the extra week now, that week zero, without a fourth preseason game to indoctrinate a guy. And Pete has always talked about how in their scheme, nose tackle in particular is a position that is pretty simple in its responsibilities. They can get a guy in there quickly. So I do expect that that when cuts are made, um, they'll add a couple of players there. And, you know, maybe one of them will be someone we're familiar with and, and a name we know and, and uh, someone that's been around the league a little bit. I, I looked at the available free agents. There's not a lot out there. You know, you can talk about, does Akeem Hicks still want to play? Does Ndamukong Sue still want to play? Um, I think he's kind of been on the record as saying he would. He just doesn't ever want to go to training camp again. We know he has oh, he's ties. Ring chasing. We know, yeah, he's yeah chasing. we know he has ties to the Northwest. Um, who knows? Maybe, maybe a guy like that. Uh, can help, but there's, it's a pretty, it's a pretty sparse list. So yeah, anyway, it is, but a lot of reasons to be optimistic about this. Season. Absolutely. As you go through that 53 man roster. I don't know as a 12, how you can't be fired up. No, so much fun there. The fact that we're, we've spent, you know, 80% of our time today, only talking about two position groups is being concerned. Um, and even then we're talking about the, the back end of the roster. We're, we feel good about the starters right um, now. DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett gets banged up in some way, different discussion, but, uh, yeah. but then it'll be more Bobo, more, more Bobo. Bobo. Have that's the, the prescription. Have the shirts been uh, printed yet? <laughs> yeah. It, I can't believe that or, they haven't. I want a hat. I'll take a uh, more Bobo hat yeah. tomorrow. He's a fun player to watch. I, I just, he reminds me, somebody had a comp the other day and I can't remember it. He reminds me of Ed McCaffrey. Okay. Remember Ed McCaffrey, yeah. former Denver, longtime Denver yeah. Bronco, uh, Christian McCaffrey's dad or uncle, uncle, dad, dad, I think, um, you know, yeah. six, five, you know, similar build uh, lean, didn't have the great straightaway speed, but just, you know, good body control and that athleticism to be able to run really good routes and be deceptive and just catches everything. You know, you throw a 50, 50 ball his way, he's coming down with it. And that's, um, that's something that I think Gino is really going to appreciate. The, uh, there was a play. Can't remember if it was the Cowboys game or the Vikings game. 
I think it was just this last game. I saw somebody posted on Twitter um, where he, you know, as a rookie, right? He, this was a veteran move. Uh, it was a run play, but he made, he, he made it look like he really sold the fact he was running a route and made it look like the ball was going to come to him. And then he was able to help out. Might've been the long Charbonnet run. I think Pete alluded to that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, where he got down and really made an impact in the, in as a blocker. We yeah. know how, we know how Pete loves wide receivers can block. So can't wait oh, to see sure. what he's going to do. Um, yeah. McCaffrey, great comp by you. That's a, that's a great comp. Thanks yeah. man. I do nothing but sit around and think of shit all day like this. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, I'm so glad I got a chance to get you on the show and uh, it'll be the first of many. I am sure. Um, let people know where they can find you on Twitter and what you got coming up on the Seahawkers pod. Yeah, you know, check out the Seahawkers podcast. Uh, Seahawkers pod, I think, is the handle on Twitter. I don't do the Twitter. Uh, not my deal. But, uh, yeah, check us out on YouTube. You can find us anywhere that you listen to podcasts, whether it's Apple Podcasts, however you do it on Android. Yep. Um, and, yeah, I, it's it's hard to miss us if you're out there looking for Seahawks content. <laughs> prolific. And, uh, yeah, yeah, we, we appreciate having you along for the ride. We're, we do everything from a fan's perspective. We're just a couple of dork chops from Montana that uh, love Seahawks football and just wanted to get together and just shoot the shit once a week and let you guys all in on that conversation. So if you're looking for, for that sort of Seahawks talk where it's uh, you know laid back, a lot of jokes, a lot of dad jokes, and that sort of thing, uh, we're the guys for you. Awesome. Well, it was great to have you in the show and uh, take care. We'll see you again soon. That's going to do it for me on this episode of Seahawks Forever. You can follow me on Twitter at Seahawks Forever. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Download the PSF app, Pro, Pro Sports Fan. It's on. It's in the uh, iTunes store now. Android should be any day. Uh, I'm not going to explain all the details here, but it's an interactive fan app that's going to focus on the game day analysis and and uh, experience during Seahawks games. I'll be part of that. Follow me on Twitter for more details. Until next time, forever and always, go Hawks. Mm-hmm.